Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Have you noticed Black Friday is like 42 days? What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I'm almost done the morning of Christmas with Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. It's just judging me every time I come down the stairs. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Oh, I'm a notorious regifter. Yeah. Ho, 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 everybody. Welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And we're talking about the holiday creep. I am so excited to talk about this because we're soaking in it. Too much holiday. Do you remember there's a Berenstein Bears book called Too Much Birthday? No. And they've all eaten too much cake and had too many presents and they're miserable because they've had too much birthday. Our theme on this episode, too much holiday. (laughs) Enough already with the Christmas. Enough already with all of it, frankly. Okay. Well, first, let's have mailbag. Oh, yes. Wait a minute. Time for mailbag. Wait, wait. wait, Check the mailbag. This is such a good mailbag. Boy, oh boy. This is going to be some wind beneath your wings. Are you ready? Oh, yes. Christy from Plano, Texas wrote in to say, I felt compelled to write in because of the episode on pivoting. It's as if you ladies came to my house, made yourselves a sandwich, sat on my couch, and read my diary. That's how dead on you were and always are. Christy continues, We have a saying at my church, when the ministers are giving a sermon and they see someone sitting in the congregation with that shocked look on their face like the sermon is speaking dead on to them, the minister says, Am I coming down your street? Love that. Christy finishes, you all are so courageous to share your stories so openly in the name of helping others. You work so hard researching topics to give us the best resources. I am giving you all the Steel Magnolias Award along with a Shiro Award. Please keep doing all these amazing things you do for so many. Christy, I don't know what to say. I didn't even prepare a speech. I mean, two awards in one day. This is what we needed. I'm going to give you a little behind the scenes. Amy and I both came onto this call pretty crabby. I'm not going to lie. Onto this record. Grinchy. And Christy, thank you. This is just what we needed because we are deep in the holiday, you know, miasma. And both of us are feeling pretty crouchy. It's like crotchety and grouchy. That's how we're feeling. We're crouchy. Christmas crouchy. We're Christmas crouchy. So this is 
very, very nice to hear on a day where I feel both of us needed a little a little win beneath our wings indeed. Two awards, a Shiro Award. Christmas creep is a thing. I found this out doing this research for this episode. Miriam Webster has Christmas creep as a word they're watching. Meaning they might add it to the dictionary. I got it. It's like not in the dictionary yet, but they might add it. Yes. And here's how Miriam Webster is defining Christmas creep. Christmas creep refers to the sense that the holiday season is gradually lengthening, beginning earlier each year, typically in early fall. No. Christmas creep seems never to be employed in celebratory fashion, says Miriam Webster. It rather functions as a shorthand for the existential dread and disgust that many people feel at the apparent increasing commercialization and banality of the season. Wow. Let me just say that Merriam-Webster came in <laughs> hot on this topic. Even I'm a little bit like, slow your roll, Merriam-Webster. Came in crouching. I mean, I felt it, but I'm like, Merriam, you're, you're a little out of control on this one. The banality of the season. That's an Amy Wilson word. <laughs> I mean, I agree, obviously. I want to say, I am Christmas crazy. I have a kid who is, especially this year, He's Christmas crazy. He's so excited for Christmas. In a positive way. Not Christmas creep, but Christmas crazy. I mean, he is exactly picture buddy the elf. And that's my kid. He's so excited. And it's cute because he's a little bit older. And yet he's so into it. Our rule, which I will stand firm on forever. We decorate for the holidays the Sunday after Thanksgiving. That's what we do. That's our tradition. Started by one of my children, who I guess I said, we'll decorate after Thanksgiving. We were traveling. We came home on like a Sunday night on a delayed flight. This kid was probably four years old. And he was like, get the boxes. And I realized with horror that we were about to decorate the whole. I had to make the call of listen to this kid wail for three hours or just get the boxes out and do it. And we went with get the boxes out and do it. Sunday after Thanksgiving. I made the mistake this year of saying like Sunday after Thanksgiving, same thing. We're doing it. We were traveling for Thanksgiving. We came home actually on the Saturday and like Sunday. That's it. And I do not have a Christmas crazy in my house. I have Christmas crouches. Christmas crouchies. <laughs> yes. Well, we're doing it. And so, you know, mid-afternoon, I let them put the football games on. We're all going to do this. But then this is my mistake. I take all the blame for this. We can't start emptying boxes and dragging stuff out unless I have a place nearby to like hide the boxes so that I don't have a house full of boxes and Christmas stuff. I have an apartment with very limited storage space. Our Christmas decorations are actually across the street in a different building. I was going to say, you must have a storage area. Yeah. It's a thing and a thing. Yeah, it's, it's a storage area. You got to cross the street with the boxes. And then I have boxes in my apartment. We have to make room for the boxes. So let's clean out the two coat closets to make room for the boxes. Like three hours later, everybody's yelling. They're tired. And yeah, we have very nice coat closets. So we have a half ever since we've had a sort of half slightly decorated Christmas tree. It's still not done. It's still not ready because nobody wants to do it. It's just judging me every time I come down the stairs. Yeah, I can see it. I ended up hosting Thanksgiving. I had, I think, 17 people, people in and out, lots of dishes. And I do demand that we clear the decks before we start decorating, because the idea of decorating on top of mess is awful. Right. I had a lot of hands. And this time, because we had cousins over, I didn't do much of it. I mean, I mostly like we put up the tree husband put on the lights and then it was on. It was on like Donkey Kong at our house. The kids decorated the tree. You had hey, lots of hands to do it. That's so good. The merry elves decorated the tree. I find being together, speaking of Christmas creep, 
one thing that's now stressful about Thanksgiving. So my spouse has always said, like, isn't Thanksgiving nice? There's no stress. There's no pressure. Yeah, there's no gifts. He was never making turkey for 18 people. But like, isn't it just we just sit around and talk? He was having a cocktail in front of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For like 20 year old him, it was pretty low key. But now I find that what we talked about, we were with his side of the family and my side of the family over several days. We sat around and talked about like, Oh, I have two more things. And I got increasingly stressed because just about everybody else I talked to was, quote unquote, almost done with their Christmas shopping. Oh, I mean, talk to me, Amy. I'm almost done the morning of Christmas. (laughs) You hope you're almost done. I'm still like, is the CVS open to get some stuff to put in the stockings? My sister-in-law was like, I need a couple of more things for this one, but not that one. And I was like, what? And I couldn't help but feel the Christmas creep. This like, I'm supposed to be doing something right now. I was getting like itchy laptop finger to like get it out and start ordering stuff because I wasn't already done. Here's the thing also about the Christmas creep. I think that we turned a corner last night and they put snowflakes up in our town along the street. And we turned the corner And my son, who is Christmas crazy right now, saw the, you know, snowflakes and he burst out into delight. Like, they're here. I think that when you hold it until after Thanksgiving, there's a delight in seeing the Christmas stuff. Yes. My sister-in-law was pointing this out and I forgot this. The rule is Santa comes at the end of the Thanksgiving Day Parade. That is the start of Christmas. When Santa makes his appearance, it's on, people. But I do think we were, I was in the city with you, I don't know, three weeks ago, something like that. And we're driving down the streets and there's snowflakes up already. I'm like, no, 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 no. Everybody relax. Yeah, exactly. If you do it too early, it kind of bums it out, doesn't it? Did you see the Mariah Carey video this year? Hilarious, I must admit. It was out on Halloween. She put up a video of herself dressed like a witch, riding a broomstick and cackling and then it showed like the clock changing to like midnight on November 1st. And then immediately like, ah, <laughs> I don't want a lot for Christmas. Ha right. <laughs> ha. It's almost November 1st. And you're going to start hearing my song 10 times a day. And like, I love that she owns that. But yes, that song, you shouldn't be allowed to play that song until I'm going to say like 10 days till Christmas, not even day after Thanksgiving. I think the holiday creep is definitely that it's becoming Christmas starts the day after Halloween unacceptable. Christmas starts after the Thanksgiving Day Parade. All right. I'm making a list. Christmas starts. Santa comes at the end of the Thanksgiving. Check it twice, Amy. Christmas starts at the end of the Thanksgiving Day Parade. You can't sing I Don't Need a Lot for Christmas. If the Thanksgiving Day Parade is canceled, Christmas is canceled. That is, I'm standing very firm on this. What about Black Friday? Here's another Christmas creep I have for you. Have you noticed Black Friday is like 42 days? Like Black Friday is like a yeah. six week season I mean, now. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday, Spend More Money Wednesday. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. And I do feel, do you have that? Like, it sounds like you can hold it at bay. I'm like, oh, it's Black Friday. I better order this today. And then it's still Black Friday, like December 10th. I could have waited. I am everyone's Christmas nightmare because I know that people keep asking me because they want to get it at Black Friday sales, but because I will not turn my eye to Christmas until the end of the Thanksgiving Day Parade, I am not ready to have a Christmas list for you on Black Friday. I want to watch this Hallmark movie so much, right? Everyone's Christmas nightmares and like you're the Christmas crouchy that will not celebrate You're the last one. A friend of mine was complaining to me that her bad family members were not 
giving her their orders until after Black Friday, which was annoying for her because now she has to buy it at a higher price. And I was like, I'm sorry, but I'm team family. I cannot make Christmas lists before... Before Santa arrives at the end of the Thanksgiving Day Parade. The end of the Thanksgiving Day Parade. And so they're not ready for Black Friday, which I get, but I don't know. Do you get pressure from the family members? This was happening at Thanksgiving too. Like, I'm done with all my Christmas shopping, except... For your children, what do they want? Now, my kids are big now, so I'm like, take it up with them. I don't know. It's still stressful because I'm like, take it up with them. And I hope that they respond to the loving texts from the people inquiring what they might like to open as a present. But it's stressful when you have these teenagers, you don't know what to buy for them. They don't want anything. They don't need anything. That's a stupid problem to have, but you have it anyway. Like, uh, they have to open something. But another part of the Christmas creep is like, what is expected of you at Christmas? And I find that like I need to buy at this point probably 15 or 16 thoughtful gifts for the various people in my life. Yes. And then on top of that, I need to text links for four or five people with their entire list to different members of the family, you know? And people very nicely ask me, like, what do you want? But at a certain point, I got nothing left. Like, I think I want to cancel Christmas rather than find one more link to send to somebody. We have a list. I'm going to put the link in the show notes, a Spotify playlist of all of our holiday episodes of yore. We've had several, but it's funny because we've been doing this show for so long. I know we've complained about the Home Depot gift card exchange and how like dumb that is. Yeah, the great, we call Call it the Great Crap Exchange. Yeah. The Great Crap Exchange. You just pass pass the gift card to your right. And that, that seems like that can't be right. You have to open something. But it is being replaced with a little bit with not just text me a link of the like exact thing you want and what size and what color. Why are we doing that? I mean, on the one hand, I want it. I'm happy to get from my kid. My college kid wants Birkenstocks, like the original Jesus Birkenstocks. That's what he wants. Shocking That's to me. That's oldie timey. I could dig deep in my closet. I'm sure I still have a pair back there. I have no idea what's cool if you're in college anymore, it would seem. So I'm glad to know. But you know what I mean? On the other hand, it's like, is this really the spirit of Christmas to just text each other links? Buy me this exact thing. It's a little silly. Yeah, it's all a little silly. There's no good way to do it, I guess. And I do think that the mom becomes Christmas concierge, you know, like (laughs) you got to shop for everybody and then get everybody the right links of the right thing. And yes, I have a teen, you know, and it's like, okay, I guess I have to put an hour aside to really interrogate him about his wants. Mm -hmm. And it is easier to get them stuff they want. I understand all sides of it, but I do find the gift giving has definitely become my least favorite part of Christmas. You know, Margaret, there's somebody who fervently agrees with you, who's one of our listeners. I love it when people fervently agree with me, Amy. Yeah, yeah. She is here for you. And when we get back, I'm going to tell you what she says. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro (laughs) aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking... I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. 
too. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, when you've got kids, as just about everybody listening to this right now does, you're probably looking at what they eat and seriously wondering how they could possibly be getting all of the vitamins and minerals they need to grow big and strong. That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin for kids. Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need. And yes, Even your picky eaters will approve. I know mine does. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables. Then it's supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals to help support our kids' growing brains and bodies. And Haya vitamins are sent straight to your door, which means you set it and forget it and give yourself one less thing to worry about. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash fresh. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H, HayaHealth.com slash fresh to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. So Amy on our Facebook page, is this you in disguise, Amy? So my friend Amy says, they'll (laughs) never know it's me. If I was fake posting, I wouldn't use my own name. Yeah, I would have maybe used a different name, Amy. No, this is really not me, but I loved this. And this was one of the um, inspirations for this episode. Amy posted on our Facebook page, how do I untangle myself from the needless, wasteful, stressful cycle of holiday gifting? And she doesn't mean for kids. Every year around this time, says Amy, I get that sick feeling of dread. What if, insert name of coworker, parent of kids, friend, random stranger, gives me a gift and I don't have a gift for them. But here's the thing. I don't want them to give me anything. I don't want a candle or a decorative item or a plastic wine glass with a cute saying. Amy says she is done with the wasteful stress of tchotchke swapping. Oh, tchotchke swapping is a great, great way to say it. A tchotchke, for anyone who doesn't know, it's just a small, useless item. A tchotchke. I'm going to a Christmas party tonight, and yeah, I feel like I got to bring a little thing, a little something, a little, you know, bottle of wine with a bow on it. I am a re-gifter. I'm kind of a unapologetic re-gifter. Oh, I'm a notorious re-gifter. Yeah. Right? Like I keep the stuff on a shelf and then I just use it again. But that seems pretty silly as well. Here's the thing. I think, and I've spoken on behalf of the present wanters before. Can we just do completely gift-free Christmas? I don't want it. I don't want anything. And I don't need anything. It was sort of harpy-esque in my desire to stop people from giving me anything ever. I have changed my tune on it a bit because I've realized that for some people, their love language is gifting. For some people, they really (laughs) get a lot of joy from finding gifts for people. And that is special to them. And so my desire to never own anything else again ever bangs up against their love language of gift giving. And I think you have to allow some room for that and come from your 
place of maximum generosity on that topic. I think you're right. And the love language, the smartest thing I ever read about the whole love language thing, which I'm here for, is that the love language that you're good at is the one you most want to receive. Like that friend of yours who's a thoughtful gift giver. Yes. Really wants to be loved by getting thoughtful gifts. Like that's really what motivates her. Right. So then, but then that puts the pressure back on me. Like it's one thing to be like, oh, she just loves to make these beautiful handcrafted soaps and gives them out to everybody she knows. But then the person who is always writing beautiful cards wants you to write her or him a beautiful card. That's why they're doing it. So now I got to make her soap. Well, my husband's grandfather, a very wise man who was very, you know, depression era guy who definitely would tweet, tweet. I was going to say, he would say tweet, tweet if he had heard of that phrase. We were just watching old Christmas videos with my Christmas crazy kid. There's one where he and his wife are sitting amidst the chaos of stuff. And I could tell they're both kind of like, well, this is unseemly. He used to say, every time you handed him a gift, and he was joking, but he kind of meant it. If I can't eat it or read it or play with it, I don't want it. (laughs) That was his theme of Christmas. We have tried to enact that a little bit in terms of the sibling gift exchange that it has to meet Billy Max rules. Like you have to be able to give me these rules again. You have to eat it, read it. Okay. Eat it, read it or play with it. But I guess that excludes clothing. He didn't want any clothing, I guess. That's what I was thinking. Like nothing he's going to wear out back to do the chores. No. (laughs) I don't know why those were his three categories, but I had another family that I knew, they did their sibling gift exchange. You had to buy someone the gift from the Sky Mall catalog. Yes. Yes. Remember Sky Mall? It was more just like to keep it fun and challenging. Like that was the only place you were allowed to shop. But it's definitely a problem. This Facebook poster captures really well something I hadn't thought about. Not only do I not want to shop, I don't want anything. Yes, you're right. There's the rub. I just am at a phase of my life where like I have all the cozy pants and sweaters and stuff that I want. I've received two or three like legendary, oh my God, love it gifts, but it's hard. It's really hard. I don't, I think that is the problem. Not that I don't want to give anything. I really don't want to get anything. (laughs) Everything I see, I think, where does this go in the house? (laughs) It's like my aunt wrote a book a long time ago, my Aunt Terry, who's been on the podcast. And she said it was about going to a like a cabaret, like a Chippendales act. And she said, the only thing that naked men makes me think of, she had four sons. The only thing that naked men makes me think of is laundry. And that's like how I feel about gifts. Like the only thing gifts make me think of is I'm going to be cleaning that up off my floor a hundred times. Yeah, I have a similar sort of white elephant family gift exchange that my kids love, I will say, where you just bring like... You can bring a bottle of wine or you can bring a sweater that says world's worst grandpa on it. It can be anything. It's supposed to be silly and no more than like $30. We do this elaborate thing where you can either open the gift that you... Or trade it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or trade it or steal it. And my kids love this party. But what is fun about this is that you get to sort of like look at your closet for the stupidest thing somebody gave you in the last year that you don't know what you're going to do with. You wrap it and bring it to this party. Or else you go to CVS 15 minutes before the party and go to the as seen on TV aisle. Yes. And it's funny, my kids like that party. And I think I do too, like more than Christmas morning. Yeah, there's something silly and fun and also low stakes. I think that the stakes can get very high on Christmas. Like, did you give as good as you got it? Did you get the right things for people? Were they happy? And one thing I do try to say to my kids every year, let's make a list of what we got last year. And they can't do it. You know, they don't remember. Wow. They don't remember. Just just to try to underscore a little bit, like, 
you really don't remember the gifts. That's a really good thing for kids. I want to pivot to something else about kids and Christmas creep. This blew my mind when I stopped and sort of researched it and thought about it. Advent calendars. Oh, so advent calendars have become the opposite of what they were were intended to be, right? So advent calendars, I looked this up. They weren't around till the 19th century. Makes sense. Some German Lutherans made them, you know, as just you're waiting for Christmas. It's really a religious thing. Advent is waiting. We are waiting for the Christ child to be born. You open a little thing every day in order to count down how many days are left until you maybe get a present. So you're saying they shouldn't be little bottles of rum as they are now. Or books, or tea, yeah. Right. Or Legos, or this. I have a family member or a little kid or advent calendar. The kid was crying because it wasn't the right kind of candy. It's not supposed to have candy, right? The advent calendar has become yet another thing. We always had the advent calendar with chocolate in it, and the pieces of chocolate tasted like they came from the back of a gas can. They were horrible, but we did love it. We did love the chocolate advent calendar, but now, yes, we usually have a Lego one going on. Someone gifted us a Lego one. It was a huge hit. Last year, we had a Lego one, a Harry Potter one, and the regular one. We have a wooden one. And yeah, it's insane. There's a Bergdorf Goodman one. I think it's about $1,000 with a beauty product, with the high-end beauty product. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's like $5,000 or something. Some of them, they make ones that are like the Kim Kardashian version. It's supposed to be these many days are left until the presents. It's supposed to be until Jesus is born, which is the reason for the season, right? Well, we have lost the thread. And now it's like, here's 25 more presents. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean... This is what people always complain about, right? The commercialization of Christmas. I think that horse is out of the barn at this point, people. Like, it's commercialized. Even friends of mine who celebrate Hanukkah, I know that, like, it was small gifts every night, and now it's, like, huge gifts every night. I think that the arms race of gift giving has certainly gotten one of my kids needs something practical for scouts, a tent, a new tent. They're expensive. It's an activity he does a lot. But he would be, I think, appalled if we gave him a tent as a Christmas present, because that seems to be in the category of things you need. Can't eat it. Can't read it. Can't wear it. (laughs) Can't play with it. Can't play with this tent. I mean, the idea of like socks and underwear for Christmas, like there was a couple of gifts and then a lot of like, here's, you know, a new toothbrush kind of stuff. I was really struck by that, that my kids have an expectation that Christmas is like fantasy land of gifts. Even something like if you're taking lessons that you would get a guitar, like that's a huge gift. But if it seems at all in the lane of like, things you would have gotten without it being Christmas, somehow that doesn't count. The creep comes from all sides. Yes, it comes from all sides. So I want to give airtime to this, to people who are listening who don't celebrate Christmas. And the Christmas creep that comes into play when your kids are wearing Santa hats at school for the holiday. The holiday concert, right? It's not a Christmas concert, except it totally is. Except your kids are seeing, you know, candy canes and advent calendars and presents everywhere. And I understand the pressure that you must have. Say you celebrate Hanukkah, like, okay, so we got to do this increasingly special wonderland of presents, even though this is silly, because my kids don't get to partake in the other 85% of this nonsense that's everywhere. Yeah, it's so omnipresent. When you break it down at all, it really is just a commercial holiday about buying as much stuff as humanly possible. It's good for the economy. Love that. But it's 
completely out of control in terms of spending, just being able to say like, we don't do that. There are things that we do and there are things that we don't do is useful for everybody. You know, like my husband and one of my kids got really into yard inflatables. I mean, we don't have to deal with boxes, but you don't have to deal with yard inflatables. But okay, if we're adding yard inflatables, what's coming off the list? Like that's what I try to think about all the time. So if we're doing yard inflatables, we're not doing three different advent calendars. If we're doing yard inflatables, we're not doing elf on the shelf, you know, and so that my kids will still complain that we don't have an elf on the shelf. And I say, we have this instead. We do other things. We do things differently than other people. And listen, it's a lot easier because I'm in Christmas and I'm doing a lot of parts of it. But I do think this whole season is a good exercise in no. Yes, except with the notable exception, I would say, is the elf on the shelf. Because as you know, and I'm going to speak carefully here, Santa sends the elf to kids' houses. That's the backstory, right? And so if you have a child who wonders why they don't have an elf at their house, then Santa needs to send an elf to that house. And then when you have two kids, well, now you have to have two elves because down the street, Santa sent two elves to that house or the elves reindeer or whatever. And then the house across the street has outfits. When Santa is doing different things for different houses and you have a very confused kindergartner, then, you know, you have to just really hope that Santa shows up with all the stuff that Santa's supposed to bring to all the good kids. That's a tougher one to write around than yard inflatables, although I would do my best. Yeah, no, I think that you have to, because there's no happiness down the road of our Santa is just as good as everyone else is. And we do everything that everybody else does. Like it's an arms race. And the only way to win is not to play. And just being able to say, these are our traditions. We have a tradition in our family that we do under the tree, unwrap gifts in the morning. And then we open our presents in the afternoon. My kids constantly complain about it. Everyone we know just opens everything in the morning. And I said, well, that's not how we do it. You know, I like to have a break in the day. And I also like to not have Christmas be over in 45 seconds, considering I am the person who has put 37 days of work into it. That's not true because it's not 37 days. As we know, I start at the end of the Thanksgiving Day Parade. 165. <laughs> right. That's right. You're an outlier. So it's only 26 days or whatever. But they don't like it. They want us to do it the way that other people do it. And I think that finding your strong no at Christmas time is the best gift you can give yourself. Finding your no at Christmas time. That's the sequel to what did you say before? You weren't the Christmas crouchy. Oh, you were everyone's Christmas nightmare. <laughs> I'm everyone's Christmas nightmare. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. 
I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. And now, things you don't want to see on any invitation ever. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. It's the holiday pageant. There are 19 acts and your kid is last. Please arrive early to guarantee good seating. There will be a gift exchange. Please bring a thoughtful present to exchange. No other information will be provided at this time. Please wear a costume that captures the spirit of the Renaissance. Please, no kids. All kids are welcome. We're going to the trampoline park with the two-year-olds from 2 p.m. until 6 p.m. Dinner will be served at 9 p.m. This year's dress code is high-end festive casual. This event occurs exactly at your child's nap time. It's a destination wedding. Clear a week on your calendar to help us celebrate. This event occurs exactly at your child's nap time. This has been Things You Don't Want to See on an Invitation Ever. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Amy, can I cite the larger problem of everything creep? Okay. I think the arms race at the holidays is reflected in the three-day-long destination birthday party, in the wedding that now obligatorily involves Friday night, all day Saturday, and most of Sunday. And I've hosted such things. I've enjoyed such things. Halloween, matching costumes for the whole family. And there's a parade, and then there's a trunk-or-treat, and then there's real trick-or-treat. Every event. And I don't know where this comes from. And I think it's just commercialization again. I mean, it was capitalism all along, but it's this very heightened experience. Growing up, we celebrated every event by renting plastic tables, putting them in our yard and having people over. Like that is how you celebrate it. A graduation, a big birthday. I guess I'm trying to do that still, but it does feel a little bit like the expectations are a little out of control. There's a writer I really like. Her name is Anne Helen Peterson, and she has a newsletter you can subscribe to. I'll put the link in the show notes. And she wrote a post called A Theory of Sprawling Holidays. And it was kind of about this, but the part that sticks out is what you're talking about. She talked about holidays in general. She says there are now seasons unto themselves, particularly for parents 
and children. There are performances and consumption habits and photos, the experience of which oscillates between joy and slightly numb obligation. Ooh, that's good. And I think it's important to note, I think this is like a parent and kid thing. We're making Christmas bright. We're making Halloween extra spooky, whatever. And we see more and more of it. And we think it's expected of us. But yeah, it's slightly numb obligation. I have a story that is slightly um, corny, but I will tell it anyway. One of my kids for Thanksgiving wrote a poem that was like a Thanksgiving thing. And it was called My Childhood or whatever. And it was this kid reflecting on their childhood. It was pretty long. It was maybe like five or six stanzas. And it was all of these things that they remembered, like being with family and running around outside with the cat. All of the things that this kid was reflecting were memories of groups of people doing fun things together. It's a little bit like the Grinch took all the gifts, but he couldn't really steal Christmas because Christmas lives in our hearts. This little poem did really give me that reminder of what the kids are going to remember is a feeling of joy and happiness. And that therefore, I think it is our job to check in with ourselves and say to myself, is this part of joyfulness, even if it's joyful chaos, or is this part of drudgery? And there's always going to be some drudgery. Going out in the cold to the winter concert where your kid sings for five minutes at the end is a nightmare. It's not that fun, but you go. And sitting through the holiday pageant that lasts for two hours and your kid's the donkey and they wander off and it's boring. It's not all going to be magical. If you're oscillating between joy and slightly numb obligation. I think you got to watch the numb obligation. And I think that it starts with saying, I just did my Christmas card. I really like doing my Christmas card. I like showing off my cute kids. They are teens and tweens and I still put them in Me too. Christmas jammies and put them in front of the tree. I like it. I like to send them out. I like to show off my kids to everybody. I love to open everyone's cards and see their kids growing up. I love them. But easy to cut from the list. It's not an obligation. You don't have to do Christmas cards. You know what it is? Christmas cards are morally neutral. They're morally neutral. It's our phrase of the year. Yeah, I do them because... Yeah, I love receiving them. Same thing about the love language. Like I send out Christmas cards because I love to get Christmas cards. I love to see how people's kids have grown. People that I don't see very often anymore. Love it. And my kids are now like, we're too old to be on the cards, which may be. There may be an expiration date. Probably legal drinking age might be like too old. (laughs) That's nearing. I think that's right. No, I think it's 18. I think it's voting age. They're they're like, why are we doing this? Because I am proud to show off. These are my kids now. And oh my gosh, these are your kids now? I haven't seen them in 10 years. I love it. Love it. But it brings us joy. So we should do that, right? We do it because we love it, not out of numb obligation, but because it brings us joy. That's right. And there are going to be things. For me, I think some of the gift giving is numb obligation. The way that I usually handle that is that my husband and I sit with the computer open. We go through our list. We try to think of something good for everyone. We order them online and we try to find thoughtful things. I do want to see the joy. It's kind of like exercise. I don't want to do it, but I feel good having done it. I like the joy of watching people open well-selected gifts. It makes me happy. There's a little bit of numb obligation in it, but that's a yes anyway. I think our flow chart is like, is it joyful or numb obligation? Is it morally neutral? Do you have to do it? It can come off your list then if it's numb obligation. But then there's another piece of the flow, which is, do I want to have done it? 
Yes. And so then like do it in the easiest, quickest way possible. I do a Sunday where I do Christmas cookies. We play the Messiah and we make Christmas cookies. I'm not a great baker. We don't even really eat them, but it's something that I like to do. We put on our matching Christmas. Because you like it. I like the experience of doing it. Your decision tree, though, I think is missing one piece because we talked about this in the is this supposed to be more fun episode. It's the pumpkin town exception, right? The numb obligation. I don't really want to take my kids downtown to see the Christmas lights and the Santa parade, but they love it. So we're going like bringing somebody else joy is a good reason to do it. It isn't an obligation to do it, right? Yeah, I agree with that. Bringing someone else joy. But if it's everybody numb obligation. That's right. If it's everyone's numb obligation. And as your kids get older, we do a thing of farm near us has a sheep stroll. You go out, it's freezing cold. You sit around fires drinking cider and then they move the sheep into the barn and the sheep have like little bells around their neck. It's like wood smoky and then the sheep walk by and it's super exciting. I love this event. It's called the sheep stroll. The sheep stroll and the sheep come into the barn. It's so fun. I will invite you next year. I invited a friend of mine who has a kid, one of my kids' age, and said, yeah, we're coming. And I said, oh, is your kid coming? And she said, oh, no, that's his nightmare. And I realized I had been forcing my teenager to come with us because it was family fun. And it was a little light bulb moment for us. And I said, guess what? You can stay home from the sheep stroll this year. You don't have to come. And he was thrilled. He thought I was playing a trick on him. He's like, are you sure? Like, are you just trying to entrap me into saying I don't want to go? I said, no. You know what? Not everybody has to have the same kind of fun all the time. This is my fun. But also remember, sometimes when it's your fun, I'm not going. Mm. When it's your fun of telling me about your Minecraft game for three hours, I might not be listening. Right. It's kind of theory of mind brought to fun. Your fun is not necessarily my fun. And I might help you have fun sometimes. But you got to help me have fun sometimes. I think what I'm realizing in talking about it in this episode, and it's really helpful for me, is that holiday flowing river that you're just kind of bobbing along out of control and slightly drowning for the whole month. You can stop doing that. You could put your feet down and say, "Okay, what do I choose to participate in with this? What am I doing out of a sense of dull obligation? What am I dreading? What can I take off the list? And I think there's a lot of things you can take off the list. I mean, COVID helped with this. And we said it all the time during COVID. What do you call it? If it's attrition, let it be. Like if it falls off the list. It was, it's let the laws of holiday attrition work in your favor. So good. And that's it. Oh, we don't have to just drag ourselves to the sing-along Messiah because it was fun for a couple of years. We can let some things go. I will finish with a Thanksgiving story that is told every year at the Thanksgiving table. My grandma, famously, my mother was telling her, well, for Thanksgiving, we're having turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes and yams and this and that. And my grandmother famously said, you're not having creamed white onions? I just don't really feel like it's Thanksgiving if you don't have creamed white onions on the table. So my mother obliged and made cream white onions. Not an easy recipe and kind of gross. And my father passed them to my grandmother and she said, oh, no, no, thanks. I don't like them. She just thought it wasn't Thanksgiving if they weren't on the table. She didn't even want them. And I think that's the lesson. If it's the creamed white onions, let it go. Creamed white onions are morally neutral. They are morally neutral. They don't have to be on the table. It's okay. Let them attride. What's the verb form of attrition? Yes. Atriate. Let them attribute. Yes. Do that. This is the thing we do at the holidays. Is if it was once on the list, if we let it go, then it's forever ruined. 
Don't do it to yourselves, people. And don't worry about what the people across the street are doing in terms of yard inflatables. No, no. They're miserable when you, they're not putting up Facebook pictures. <laughs> they're, they're not happy. They have all those yard inflatables. Do you think they're happy oh, in Don't there? try to keep up with our yard inflatables, people. It is a talk about an arms race. My goodness. Clark Griswold over here. You know, if you're wondering what to get Margaret and me for the holidays this year. We've already gotten a Shiro Award and a Steel Magnolias Award. I said I don't want anything, but I do want the thing that Amy's about to say. We would love for you to fill out our listener survey. Yes. Even if you did it before, even if it's been a while, like it's bit.ly slash survey. I'll put the link in the show notes. It'll take you 40 seconds. It's a little Google thing about what age group are you in? Do you have kids? Are you going to have more kids? It helps us attract sponsors. We can keep bringing you this show for another year. Another year, baby. Here we go. (laughs) Another year down. Ho, ho, ho. I hope you have a ho, ho, happy everything and uh, enjoy yourselves out there, people. No numb obligation. We'll talk to you next time. So long. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.